Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, in a moment as we both sit here rapidly declining in age and health (laughs) after having experienced and sat through M. Night Shyamalan's latest. That's going to be part of this Oscar race checkpoint for you all today, but we have much more in store as well, Michael. We had to pivot yet again. We had to pivot yet again because we saw a movie and we're going to limit ourselves to 10 Mm. minutes of... Mm -hmm. uh, intense hatred for said movie and and go no further i think that's that's us getting older and wiser and Mm -hmm. perhaps even more mellow because i think if this was mmo year one we'd be Mm. full of piss and vinegar and m dot rage and we would just go at them could be yeah that that actually makes a lot of sense i one of the things i missed most about what sitting through this movie was caring about things um so I don't have that with me, but yeah, uh, that's what we're going to kick off this ORC with today. This orc, as we lovingly call them, going around the Hollywoods. Something we're fairly confident will not be contending for any awards this year uh, is yet another film from M. Night Shyamalan. We'll quickly review Old Mike. Yeah, starring Gael Garcia Bernal, Vicky Crapes, Rufus Sewell, Tom Thomas and McKenzie, Alex Wolf, Eliza Scanlon of Baby Teeth, Nikki Amuka Bird from Luther, Ken Long from Lost, Abby Lee of Mad Max Fury Road, and Aaron Pierre Michael of the Underground Railroad. This is a stellar cast. Yeah, it is. Handling Anthony Hopkins and Mission Impossible 2 level <laughs> exposition for most of the movie, and they actually did a, a solid job, I would would say uh but i'm burying the lead this movie to me old is just good enough to ensure a bad time at the movie theaters that's my (laughs) tagline (laughs) my review they should have put it on a poster it's unfathomable to me how boring this movie was considering this concept and And this cast yeah and if we're going to go through a spoiler section we're not But if we were, I would say don't watch the trailer, just as a hint, hint. Don't watch the trailer at all, because I was very dismayed by the trailer watching into this movie. And that that really hurt. It hurts the viewing experience in a huge way. My advice, similarly, would be don't watch the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, This, honest to God, I know this is like a hyperbolic statement. It's going to come off as that. I mean this as genuinely and seriously as possible like especially with the expectations something like this cast brings forward this is maybe the single worst movie dialogue (laughs) and cinematography i've ever seen in a major studio film it was obnoxious on two levels multiple levels but two primary levels for me number one i mentioned was the exposition they're Mm -hmm. constantly explaining things and of course yes they all have the perfect occupations in real life even though they're on vacation (laughs) to explain the phenomena here therein and that was just absurd to me that they could do this Mm -hmm. but the second thing was why he stylized the close talk, because everybody's a close talker. Vicky Crepes is the closest talker in the history of mankind. I mean, I get it. It's a two-shot. It's a tight one. But the closest talker ever. But but seriously, she, 
the the fact that they did like the echo chamber hazy sunlight captured on the face with the echoing whatever hallway nonsense like the fifth time that happened i was just thank god i had popcorn that's all i can say thank god i was just munching (laughs) that's that's all i could say i needed the popcorn i wish i had candy a snickers bar the i miss my snickers ice cream bars i've been trying not to Mm. go at Mm. those too it's that would be excessive mike (laughs) (laughs) but that's where i'm at man that's where i'm at it's just frustrating he moves that camera around so much and he it's so unnecessarily how he does it too, because he has these shots that I thought were setting up. I thought they were like deliberate choices to set up certain subtext and he'll just move away from them and never refer to them again. So it's basically like he was putting the camera in certain places. Just just be like, I want to see what this looks like. Yeah. We're just like a teenage, you know, teenagers at 13 years old, our eyes are just rolling constantly in our heads at all this nonsense. It's, uh, that's what I felt like. I felt like my eyes were going to get stuck on the top of my head because they're just rolling them so much. There, there's a scene in which a woman has a basketball-sized tumor removed from her. I'm not <laughs> going to get into spoilers, but the first thing she says after this impromptu surgery is she looks at her husband, whose name also is Guy, which is befitting of how complex this dialogue was. <laughs> he, she goes, Guy, I feel better now. <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> wait till i tell you the story of what just happened babe <laughs> like for as much as Shyamalan does to over explain and over expose and exposit every piece of this plot it's equally as frustrating because i don't think we're giving a satisfactory explanation as to what the hell is going on with these things like even when we have characters who are talking both to us and each other as if they are still literally five and six year old children I, we still don't have an ex like we're explained that this affects the brain, but then it, it does. There's no through line of what the hell is actually happening to these people, despite the fact that our hand is held even through this twist ending, which is right. a, a, just a boring twist ending, too, by the way. Uh, yeah, you're just constantly saying, come on, rolling your yeah. eyes. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, oh, well, they can swim that well or oh, they can come on. I mean, it, it, you're a, a six year old. <laughs> <laughs> six and 11 year old again that's not a spoiler from the trailers and yeah it's just absurd i i can't uh i can't get in on the schlock level uh celebration of this film though like i know some friends yeah. of ours yeah. maybe fresh maybe fresh without any you know reviews out there you can go into a movie like this expecting all right at least like split visit level m night and then you get this, and you're like, oh, my God. Because there are a right. few moments where it's it's ridiculous. That's the most disheartening part to me, is that I was expecting something awesomely bad. Yeah. And this doesn't... I don't understand how this can be as boring as it is. It's just there's no cleverness. There's no over-the-topness. It's nothing, like, either simply fantastical nor as outrageous as saying it's a village in the the woods of New York or, like, it's aliens. Like, it's just bleh. Just bleh. Just butt. Whatever. It's a hundred I mean, minutes of just in, in, sitting down, basically. Dumbass butt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thomasin McKenzie is probably my standout in terms of the performances. She does a really nice job managing 
like her whole internal internal dilemma. She does. I, I thought she's very good, and and Vicky Crepes was much better than she is in the trailers. In the trailers, she's just yelling exposition, which most of them have to do in this script. But in the movie, she's much better. She the the mother daughter actually have a pretty incredible scene in there, which again is frustrating for this movie because. This ensemble is excellent. Gallardo Garcia Bernal yeah. is excellent, and and I thought Rufus Sewell was really well, uh, really good uh, in there as, as well. I haven't seen him be be awesome in a movie in a while, so that was fun to watch them going off. But they're just you know, I, I mean, just literally tied down to the to the pages. Unfortunately, they really couldn't do what uh, I wanted them to do. I read an article about how Shyamalan's script differed from the. The Sandcastle, I think it was called, the graphic novel source material. Like, he he went out of his way to make things more explained, and yet he still, he left some stuff that was just inexplicable, but still tied it down too much to reality in terms of the twist. I, I'll i forget that I ever saw this movie, to be honest, in probably a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm probably like a D plus yeah, that's at where the I'm end at. of the day. And it's just the thing, don't be boring. I mean, how can you be boring? How can this concept, when this cast, be as boring as it is? It's, right. it's inexplicable. I can't believe it. Well, let's uh, take an aside here for the box office real quick. Apparently, Old is actually going to win the weekend with $15 million, Mike. Snake Eyes, which was projected north of 20, is actually going to make 12.5, and Black Widow at 10.4. Last week's champion, Space Jam, a new legacy looks like it is really struggling. In it's, it's hit a new low. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's struggling in its second <laughs> weekend there, uh, and it's going to make less than 10. So this is a rough weekend, and we can be, we've been having this roller coaster at the box office for a while now. All you need to do if you're a director, if you come out of the gates with like at least one hit and the follow-up is okay, you're set for life. I don't know how M. Night Shyamalan keeps getting Universal Studios money or, like, any major studio's money, but people are still showing up. I mean, no, it's not a banner weekend for the box office, but that's still going to win the day. He's been the dumptuary champion of the the decade i would say right with uh wasn't the visit dumptuary and then uh, i thought that was september it might have been january anyway i, I, I think uh, i i know he had the split that was january yes. and then yep. glass was january yep. they, they did well at least split did really well at the box office yep. so the visit i thought did well so he actually had some surprise hits there where maybe they begrudgingly gave him money and then oh, surprise oh my God, he's a financial hits right. surprise financial hits not critic successes yeah right even though i i like split i liked i mean the split visit was good was, split yeah. was good I, I didn't see the visit when it came out but i, I watched it a couple yeah. years later and it was solid anyway i i do think there are some good movies uh, in theaters right now, Pig mm-hmm. was one of them. Roadrunner, we reviewed that as well. But Val, Mike, Val, I, I caught that one yesterday. This is about Val Kilmer. Yes, this is coming to Amazon Prime in a couple of weeks. But yes, this is really an excellent uh, cinematic experience because it's so, you know, backstory movie heavy with uh, Val Kilmer as the cinematographer and you get all the behind the scenes stuff from Top Gun where the movie starts all the way through you know his entire career I thought this was the structure of a behind the music production profile career retrospective type of documentary but it wasn't in the same style or the same focus like this is Val Kilmer 
you know, he's constantly playful and charming and goofy and funny on the one hand, Mike, which just that's worth the price of admission right there. Just showing him with messing around with all these show folk Mm -hmm. is is just fun. That's entertaining, number one. But you you add these twists and turns and triumphs and tragedies of his biography and you can't believe what he's been through and that you get this unabashed access to his POV because, you know, he never thought he was... I mean, maybe he did, but I mean, he's he's recording his whole life with these home movies and his voice, voiceover then, voiceover now through his son. So it's a, it's a it's a bio doc made unlike any other, and in that regard, I would say. But to me, the biggest thing is that you you walk away from Val, and it's not like all right, this is the tribute piece to this man's life. Like I don't walk away thinking Val thinks a lot of Val. I mean, maybe he does, right. maybe he doesn't. But I walk away thinking, thinking, wow, this guy's so blessed, and there's a lot about acting here, and he feels like he's so blessed, and he feels like he wanted to make a movie about acting, and he, and he, and he accomplished that. Here's the, the big issue, what keeps it from, like, the A-minus level and leaves it on the B-plus. Val does not really get in very deep on the, his flaws, on his his big, you know, tiffs with uh you know whether it was uh, the island of Doctor Moreau. I mean, puff you get piece some... type filmmaking. It's this is in the vein of RBG almost. Yes and no. It's a puff piece in the sense that it doesn't go deep into the conflicts. You know, it doesn't talk about his him and his wife's divorce. Gotcha. It talks about the after effects. It doesn't talk about why exactly. You know, he's he's concentrating on the positive on, on the blessedness. Yeah, of his he's life, not. He's not like. talking. He's not airing all his dirty laundry right. about Marlon gotcha. Brando. He's not well, airing all his dirty laundry about Hollywood necessarily. Well, then I can't commend him for it because if, I, you know. <laughs> if that was in there, oh yeah, if this was the last dance level stuff, and he was he was mother effing one guy or another, and we got now a mwah. no, it didn't get that far. But as is uh, highly enjoyable, it sounds like. What, what what did you end up giving this as a grade? I, I'm between like an 88 or an 89. This is something oh, wow. like I I want to show people. On Amazon, when it does come out, I'd like to, you know, sit in a in a room of uh, friends or relatives and watch Val down the line. So I, I do recommend it. I do recommend go seeing, you know, go to see it in theaters if this is the type of movie you want in theaters. That's the yeah. thing right now. Like we got to push the movies that we want to see more of. I think. I mean, if we if we just go to the big MCU blockbusters, yep. well, that's what we're gonna keep getting. So unfortunately, that's why that's you and I went to go see old. That's theaters. why we went yeah. to see old, I think. But, <laughs> Mike, one more recommendation for the weekend. I just watched it before recording this Saturday afternoon, and that's Playing With Sharks. I saw this at Sundance, but I kind of half paid attention slash was drunk. Mm. Like, another reason why I didn't do a whole slate of reviews for Sundance. Sundance really sounds like it took its toll on you physically and mentally. <laughs> well, yeah, and like day four, I started <laughs> started pounding just drinking lungs. heavily and just <laughs> mfing everything on your screen i didn't pay attention that well to this the first time around i rewatched playing with sharks what a fascinating layered documentary that is on disney plus nat geo there cool. uh, it's about conservationism and conservationism gone wrong it all revolves around the making of jaws I think that's a huh. major inflection point for the for the story. But from Jacques Cousteau to this woman's, you know, discovery of of like her becoming this Steve Irwin of sharks is is just amazing to watch. And they have footage from the 1960s, or, you know, her origin story. So it's unbelievable. And, and she's 85 swimming with sharks to this day. Oh, my ridiculous! Goodness. 
God bless her. So uh, it's just a quick recap of some new stuff that you're going to see at your fingertips. That's a yes to playing with sharks, a yes to Val, which is coming to, uh, what would you say, Hulu soon or Prime? It's Prime, yeah. Prime Val's soon. coming to Amazon Prime. And it's a uh, big, fat, stinking, not if you can avoid it, to old by M. Night Shyamalan, unfortunately. We can move from talking about mm-hmm. movies that may seem themselves in a couple categories in the Oscars. I'm not talking about old when I say that. I'm talking about Val. Uh, to other contenders we think hopefully will be there come Oscars time. And, you know, Mike, I don't mm-hmm. want to say we run Hollywood, but I think the proof is in the pudding here. So I don't know what we watched and reviewed last time as Dune Trailer 2. <laughs> But we did review it, and we did... Dune Trailer 2, the Batman v. Superman cut, I think, because that one had, like, three different genres of Trailer 2 before it came out. Oh, God, we were upset, right? Mm -hmm. Weren't we upset? Like, that was a terrible trailer. It was jagged and rushed, and it felt like a bunch of TV spots mushed together, and a week later, here we get this big, beautiful, slow-paced, Denis Mm Villeneuve-level pace to, to, to this gorgeous Dune Trailer 2. Uh, agree with everything you say. It looked so much better. It looks like it's got a real space epic type story attached to it. Uh, here is my thought slash complaint slash observation slash criticism while watching this entire thing. Mm-hmm. This is Star Wars, right? <laughs> this How is this movie not Star Wars? What we have... Just follow me here. We have a special boy. But this is before Just Star listen, Wars. Listen, they wrote it listen. Before Star... All right. Star Wars followed this. We have a special boy, White boy who gets visions from a pretty girl saying he's her only hope. He needs to save a planet from being destroyed and dominated by a sinister group who flies around in an oversized orb. There's a lot of outer space military garb on everyone. The special boy goes through one-on-one combat training sessions with holograms as the young boy with flowy hair learns to hone what's inside himself as he takes on the evil empire, which is headed by the centuries-old being with the garbly voice in an oversized black robe, right? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, this is disagree. Star Wars. This is Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars is Dune. Then you have to say you can't. That's say fine. Th- you're right. You're. I mean, absolutely. You're on, on the technicality that the the first Dune writing was out before the first Star Wars was. You're absolutely right. So George Lucas might have totally jacked the entire concept for his space battle epic. I mean, he yeah he did more of a Hamlet version, but yeah you're right. I think. Uh, I think I'm still in for a, sure, I guess, I mean, a prequel to requel, requake <laughs> to Star Wars. All joking aside, I, I'm breathing a huge sigh of relief because this trailer looked phenomenal. Yeah, the Zendaya POV to start. Mm-hmm. You get Jason Momoa and Josh Brolin genuinely funny in the trailer. The dialogue is really strong, Mike. I mean, we get some really great conversing between father and son, between... Mm-hmm. You know, trainer and skinny kid. I mean, I love that. I mean, they're calling him. They're calling Chalamet out for being this skinny warrior because you're wondering. Yeah, this is all right. Second movie in a row where Chalamet's right. whooping ass. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. He probably, you know, no. But of course, they're they're acknowledging that. So that's that's fun. I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna win with uh, with stealth and quickness. So that 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 works for me. I, I I'm a big tail. All he has to do guy. is use the force. Yeah. That's right. He's got the force and the garbly voiced villain to fight. Anyway, I hope they're not related. But I figured the visuals would be strong. I didn't figure they would be this 
just mind-blowing. Like, the magic of this story, as far as I know, and again, mm-hmm. this is based on attempts to read it and then watching the documentaries about movies that were never made and then watching David Lynch, is that a lot of the magic is based in technology. So for them to have the force field VFX working so well and like there's some crazy shot where like there's this jellyfish coils of electricity covering half of his face and look mm. they look like tiger stripes. I mean, it's amazing yeah. what, what we get to see in this. And then when you know the orb <laughs> is coming down to invade, Death I mean Star. that shot yep. it looks like an eclipse and and you yeah, get it does. You get Thanos' voice saying, God in heaven. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wonderful. I am very excited. I I think, I don't know if people saw an early cut or first cut or test screening or what, but somebody out there, some critic out there, I think, was saying they saw and it's everything that you could hope it could be. Who knows? I mean, you know, that's like I heard from a guy, heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who type right. thing. So who knows how much that has. But I think there that exists somewhere in the Twitter sphere if you're following all the uh, the serious critics we talk about often. So hopefully this one lives up to all the, uh, the mystique that it's built to be. And I feel much better about it after seeing this trailer. I think it is worth noting, though, in the same way that Mike Myers kind of wiped Shang-Chi's relevance off film Twitter that wait, couple weeks ago. Wh- wait, when, what? When the wh- Halloween... Who? <laughs> What happened? Mike Myers? Like, as in, uh, oh, never, as in Michael couple, Myers. Okay. Right, Michael Myers. Right, I thought, not, like, not Austin, Austin Powers did Austin something. Powers, to... yeah. <laughs> Austin Powers wiped Shang-Chi off Twitter. No, <laughs> the second look at Shang-Chi dropped. A couple hours later, the first look at Halloween's kills dropped, and nobody was talking about Shang-Chi afterwards. Something very similar happened with this second Dune trailer in that the Dune trailer dropped, I think, an hour later, the poster just a poster and the announcement that Jordan Peele has a new movie coming out a year from now came out, and I didn't see Dune mentioned afterwards. It was all about Jordan Peele. So I don't know if that's uh, something to keep an eye on, but that's just the type of thing that I notice in my dumb brain. I, well, again, in your dumb brain, sorry, in your, in your brain. How dare uh, you, yeah. <laughs> well, I just was taking your town and <laughs> running it over there. Uh, but, no, I think, uh, I think you... The last time you talked about Shang-Chi's trailer 2, and here this is right. Dune trailer right. 2 and exactly. a half, 3. There is well, that. I don't know how they're managing sequels to these trailers. They're just <laughs> cutting out the ones that don't work. And Gonna get a whole I appreciate that. I do appreciate it. But anyway, th- th- that happened again. Same thing happened last time. I agree. I agree. So it could be uh, full of sound and fury signifying nothing. And we know with this microphone and no compressor right now, I am full of sound. And Fury. Mike, <laughs> official competition, which is a tip selection. Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas. We got our first preview and look at that movie as well. So I'm excited for official competition for many reasons. Number one, it's been a little while. And by that, I mean like maybe a month or two <laughs> since I've seen a movie about making movies. And I just uh-huh. need these in my life constantly. Uh, one you. Cut of the Dead. I, I remember seeing that recently. Uh, Mank, of course. I mean, that we studied like crazy. Mm-hmm. This is director Penelope Cruz and a goofy himbo movie star in Antonio Banderas. <laughs> I've just been laughing at these stills all week. And then I get a trailer just as funny with all the microphones. It's like 74 microphones so just for them to do a voice recording. And then the stone, the giant stone, you know, hung by a crane over <laughs> there seen on the bench. These two old guys on a bench. Yeah. Talk <laughs> about foreboding subtext, huh? I loved it. I just, I was laughing throughout the trailer 
I'm with you. This looks great. I, there's all sorts of shenanigans here. We get hints of some sort of power struggle pissing contest or like artistic vision at odds between Antonio Banderas and Oscar Martinez's character. And it's Penelope Cruz, who's the director of this on-screen movie has to kind of play the middleman and mediate between the two of them when really she's the one that's i think going to be uh having all the power and the say at the end of this at least that's the impression i got i this looked great i can't wait for official competition another movie that i just wanted to throw in here that got its first trailer that i'm pretty excited about i'm not excited about a lot of covid filmed uh mm-hmm. things michael never mind movies but things or <laughs> a tv I, i'm not a fan i'm zoomed out right now but <laughs> Language Lessons did win the Audience Award at South by Southwest. And this is Natalie Morales in the directing chair. Mike, I always knew Mumblecore was destined for Zoom, and here we go with a funny trailer. It's a funny trailer. Natalie Morales opposite, what's his name, Mike? What's his, I didn't write him down. Mark Duplass. Mark Duplass, of, of The course. League and Creep and all that stuff. Yeah. That's right. We're, we're fans of Mark Duplass, and it's just him and Natalie Morales on Zoom. She's given him Spanish lessons, and it looks like just a, a nice, beautiful story about friendship and pandemic. Yes, yeah, and then you're falling right into the trap with that, because look, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure this is a heartwarming movie, as it suggests, and it's going to be great. But Mark Duplass cannot be in first-person POV in movies anymore for me after the Creep movies. Okay, oh like God. This is like asking me to just sit through a Rosamund Pike collaboration with David Fincher and just being like, just trust me, she she's not going to slit anyone's throat out of the blue, out of nowhere this time, I promise. I can't. I can't do it. I was waiting for Duplass to like scream at me this entire preview like he did in the Creep movie, so I, I, I'm just very, very noticeably physically uncomfortable as he's talking to his camera on his zoom spanish lesson there oh my god i, I hated want, this trailer i want you to just watch some random rosamund pike and tom hanks movie where she's like his spotter in the gym uh-uh. no no she can't i can't i i'm incapable tom get out of there he's rock climbing in a a little center you know, one of those little makeshift rock climbing things right. near your gym. Right. And then, uh, yeah, she's she's holding the cord. And she's holding him. the rope up at the top. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy, no! Uh, language lessons, though. We want to see that. And I mean, again, this is this is like preview season. So it's it's exciting. It's exciting for us that we're getting a lot of these previews that we do want to see. Uh, Michael, uh, speaking of movies, we do want to see The Green Knight is coming up next week for us. We're thinking about reviewing it. We're planning to. Mm -hmm. And The Green Knight has now been pulled from UK cinemas due to an onslaught of new COVID cases. We don't want to get into this a lot. I know we're wet blankets on a regular basis. But how worried are we here? I'm starting to get very worried. Extremely worried, of course. I don't think there's any way you can't be worried. I mean... The article from IndieWire that we're citing here from Ryan Lantanzio said it best. Boris Johnson, just over in the UK, announced Freedom Day on July 19th, and then he immediately went back into quarantine himself. Uh, it, it's it's terrifying out there. The UK is dealing with something like uh, 30,000 new cases a day or 300 and some odd thousand cases over a week's time because of this new Delta variant and... I don't think there's any way you can look at news like this and not be greatly concerned with what's going on and the Delta variant and the the rising numbers over here in the States, too. I mean, I know we live in a state that's done a pretty good job overall, right. knock on wood, with dealing with COVID, and the numbers are going up just as well here as they are everywhere else across the country right now. It's a, it's a scary time. 
and just when the industry got back into full production yeah. mode, just when you know we're, we're back in movie theaters, yeah, this is it's not good. It's not good for the industry, and it's certainly obviously not good for the country and for the world at large. For Christ's sake, I thought we were done. I know, I know. I, I, I mean, that brings up a whole slew of questions in and of itself. I mean, if God forbid. We do have to lock down or whatever businesses need. Like how I, movie theaters are facing enough trouble as it is. We're on here weekly right now with blockbusters coming out once every couple of weeks, talking about how they're not making enough money. Never mind having to go into shutdown again. I mean, it's just, man. I still, you know, wear a mask wherever you can and just be safe. Stay the hell away from people. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, but fortunately, I guess people are still watching stuff whether it's at home or uh in theaters and 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 the streaming numbers are strong which as we've said is a double-edged sword because it does signify health for the industry what do you what do you think of these hbo max numbers so variety just came out proclaiming that hbo max has added 10.7 plus million domestic subs just in the last 12 months uh with 2.85 million of those coming in just Q2 of 2021. Those surpass, those actual numbers surpass the projections that the industry had for HBO Max. It even surpasses AT&T's own numbers, the numbers they had for themselves for their projections. Right now, HBO Max standing at 47 million U.S. subscribers after Q2. Uh, That includes 12 million new subs globally, which is going to give them 67.5 total global HBO Max subscribers. They are now expecting to be around 70 to 73 million globally by the year end. Uh, Originally, they only thought they would do 67 to 70 million global subscribers. And all of this is happening without the European markets, as HBO Max uh, hasn't even debuted across the pond yet. And they are now thinking may not debut, this according to Variety, until Q1 of 2022. Mm-hmm. So HBO Max is doing incredibly well. WB's revenue is up overall, even though their cash flow uh, is down considerably. But the reason their cash flow is down, they say themselves, again, according to Variety, is because they're reinvesting at such a high and expensive rate into HBO Max. Uh, we said when HBO Max was on the horizon that, you know, I we're not thinking it's going to come out doing gangbusters and challenging Netflix. But I think it's firmly establishing itself right now as the number three streamer behind Netflix and Disney. Well, and Amazon, so number four, I guess. Cause I, right, I get- Amazon's a t- yeah, you're right, you're right. Amazon's a tough to call as to what exactly is going on with what people are signing up for there. But, you know, for for the record, Netflix was over 200 million worldwide subscribers. I think uh, Amazon is, is around that number. Mm-hmm. And then Disney, I guess, total was 120 or where did where where did we last leave off with Disney Plus and their numbers? That sounds right. Hundred. Anyway, yeah, 100 now you have HBO Max approaching that number, and it they had they had a great library coming out of the box, and yeah, they, they kind of blew the launch. And here they took their three billion plus of new movies for twenty twenty one, and they've gained. Well, I mean, we were at twenty something million when we talked about this. They have right. now gained how many since they made that announcement, that Wonder Woman announcement? Yeah, I mean, and they're Christ making almighty. money. They're making money per subscriber too. Their dollar amount went up from like eleven some eleven twenty something I think per per subscriber to eleven ninety now per subscriber that they have here with their offering different plans and and people having free trials and stuff like that. So they're they're making money per capita per head 
on every single order of HBO Max at this point. So that's why they kept Dune there. That's why they kept. Uh, that's why they're keeping Malignant there. That's Probably. why all these yeah. movies that are rumored are well, are they going to put them back in theaters? Again, we questioned who made made those rumors, and we were like, "That's probably theaters. That's probably not War- Time Warner. Time Warner's they're a pig and shit right now. They're thrilled. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. making billions of dollars on those monthly subscribers, and we we talked about it. Ten million subscribers is how many billions over the course of a year. It, sure. it, it's it's making big money for them. Uh, just to uh, check in with Netflix, they do have the same problem that they've been having where subscriber gains have been flattening out. But, they, you know, they've reached capacity, Mike, perhaps. At some point, there's got to be a, a, a lid on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so you can't just have it's 8 billion Netflix subscribers. Everybody on Earth has one. They're, talk about, they're talking about problems of prosperity in the sense that oh we're going to do video games now <laughs> because yeah. we have so much money and then we'll get people that way as well so netflix viewership numbers however for their films they're still sky high i mean we wondered if this would hold and we talked about extraction making 99 million viewers in a month and again over two minutes you know how many are actually watching the whole film we don't know but army of the dead did 75 fatherhood 74 mitchell's versus the machines 53 so again eyeballs if you're if you're judging butts and seats if you're judging eyeballs on the product netflix is just it, it has the audience and mm-hmm. they are the gold standard even still i mean their tv stuff sweet tooth 60 million which i think is also the premise for lamb is that is that the <laughs> is lamb the prequel to sweet tooth yes it's the same it's as we as we learned in our last episode cinematic universes are not confined to just one single studio anymore <laughs> they're whatever we want them to be so yes but even shadow and bone and lupin 55 million 54 million my god that's a lot of people watching your your stuff so that's again you 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 talk about a ten dollar ticket and you extrapolate to the movie theaters and just in terms of viewership i mean it's a 600 million dollars movie or 55 50 million dollar movie so people are wondering how these you know things do billions of dollars this is how mm. because I, of that that many people watching i truly wonder what netflix sees as their main competitor like do they think they're in competition with disney or do they see amazon Especially with this pivot now to oh, we're going to do live sports and we're going to do video games. Like, do they? I, I always thought they were in the market of of streaming, but they clearly have bigger plans for themselves overall. I mean, are they, do they want to wipe Twitch off the map? Do they think the peer to peer streaming is kind of the, the way of the future? Do they think this warehouse type design is the way of the future? I'm I'm curious to know again if I could be a fly on the wall of the Netflix uh, studios just on on any executive level. I would love to know what they see as themselves having done on both the marketing level for Oscars, where they see themselves going in like five to ten years business wise, all that type of stuff. Yeah, that's why this A24 story is is still fascinating. Like, who's going to buy it? Is it Apple? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of rooting against Apple buying it because the, I'm thinking they put them in a box. But if Netflix buys it or Amazon buys it, they kind of show a whole swath of programming on their on their streaming service. But then again, do I really need them to get bigger? And but the, the, you know, they're their own movie studios. So yeah, they're, they're a little worried about Disney and Time Warner, I would say, because of the probably the depth of their IP. Mm. But are they really worried right now? Because they're just years ahead of them in like the arms race of it all. Right. Right. And with, I mean, and A24 is only a, a piece of it. I mean, they go to Netflix. Legendary Pictures we saw is already is, you know, they were in the trades this week. They might be sniffing around for a sale. It, it, it would look like we're headed straight towards Conglomerville 
uh, as right. far as all the streaming stuff goes and the movie industry at large goes, which is going to play into the Paramount Accords and what's going to happen with theater, et cetera, et cetera. This is all why we talk about this thing all the time. It's just one interconnected puzzle that uh, I don't know if you want to call them dominoes or a wheel or, you know, so they all affect one another is my point. That's absolutely the truth. And it's, you know, the, the theaters are kind of in the middle for a while with conglomerates as studios and distributors and now things are just getting directly to the consumer in other ways and that's that's the scary thing to me the, the profit margins that they're making put, giving stuff directly to the consumer is is so much more than what they're doing through the movie theater so that's just movie oh, theater yeah. going oh, yeah. is de-incentivized for these studios so that's why we have to re-incentivize it and get ourselves there if we can do so safely and and it's it's hard to even rationalize that now with all these numbers going up for christ's sakes mike well let's talk about some movies that we know at least will be in theaters on film festivals uh, as we can pivot because we have i know we said we weren't going to get depressed about it we were like <laughs> let's not do a whole big thing on this let's avoid it for once let's just get ourselves out of the wet blanket and here i am just waterboarding us both under yeah, our blanket. well it's 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 the it's the back-to-back it's the one-two combination of covid on the rise and then yeah. theater i mean theaters are just getting hit from every angle but the tragedy of macbeth is going to play in a theater it's going to open the new york film festival uh, as the opening night film on september 24th yeah another black and white movie we're having a great year for black and white films mike with uh, and then the upcoming Belfast, etc. But this is written and directed, The Tragedy of Macbeth by Joe Cohen. This is Shakespeare. This is Apple TV+. Plus. This is Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. And now A24 uh, is, you know, building up their Apple uh, TV Plus slate. You mm. had The Elephant Queen, Boys State, On the Rocks. The Tragedy of Macbeth is next. So this is, uh, this is Apple and A24 doing good business together. And based on the poster, which is the black and white, I don't know if it's a poster or a screenshot of, I don't know if it was made just for New York Film Festival, but it, this looks like we're getting an actual true retelling of Macbeth and not like some Boz Lerman, Romeo and Juliet type right. retelling, right? We're not getting Stephen Root in a southern drawl Can and I? then Denzel and Francis <laughs> McDormand doing Macbeth in the 1940s. Can I Arkansas. say I'm a little upset about that? I was kind of looking forward to that. Like, I really wanted to see Denzel and Francis, like, have characters that have to stretch in that type of way. And if well, anyone can do it, it's a Cohen brother. Yeah, they did the Odyssey in uh, 1950s or 1920s, right? With George Clooney. Uh, what was that called? Christ Almighty. I don't know what you're referring to. Showing my lack of knowledge on this. George Clooney. Christ. I like this movie, too. Good night uh, and good luck? Yes, good night and good luck. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Descendants? Uh, we're becoming our parents. <laughs> Ocean's 12. <laughs> Buying the same shirt twice. Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, brother, oh, right, right. where right, art I'm thou? I'm sorry. I should have gotten that. I should have gotten that. It's a good movie. I'm sad at myself now. Um, Yeah, I I would have liked, I thought that's where we were going with this, but, you know, as is, I'm excited. I don't know how you can not be excited with the talent attached in this movie. And opening New York Film Festival is going to put this movie, The Tragedy of Macbeth, alongside the likes of The Big Chill, Ran, Pulp Fiction, The Social Network, and The Favorite, who each also opened New York Film Festival's past. Can we also mention our gambling odds overview last week i was wondering why the tragedy of macbeth was even in there 
but Vegas knew something. They Vegas knew that this was coming to the New York Film Festival. So you got to keep an eye on those odds. I'm telling you. They always do. They always are in the know. They know first. Mike, can Palm Dior winner Titan is getting an October release in the U.S. And I'm kind of surprised by this because... You know, considering previous Best International Film contenders not named Parasite, Mm -hmm. most of those are released after their nomination in terms of U.S. domestic theaters. So this is confidence from Neon. They want to capitalize on the Cannes Palme d'Or, and they want to capitalize it months later after film festival season kind of ends there, or the, the tail end of it, with Titan hitting, you know, U.S. movie theaters. I'm yeah. surprised. That's like that's that's different. That's not what I expected. It's time we, as a society, open our hearts and minds to the car fucking serial killer. I think. <laughs> I think it is time. Uh, I can't wait to see. <laughs> what do you want me to say about that movie that hasn't been said already? I'm that's interested right. to see it. Spike, Spike, do you have anything to say about the team? Uh, the 37th Indie Spirit Awards, Mike, have moved off of Oscars Eve, Oscars yeah. weekend there. Uh, la- usually it's Oscars Eve. Last year it was the Thursday of Oscar weekend, I believe. And right. the Indie Spirits have now set their date for March 6th, with the, which is three weeks before the 94th Academy Awards on March 22nd of 2022. Yeah, and Scott Feinberg pointed this out on his Twitter. The new date here means that the Spirits are going to give out their awards prior to the final round of Oscar voting starting. So a couple things here. Maybe the Spirits are are trying to uh, have a little more Oscars cachet this year. Maybe they're trying to grab some of that Golden Globe award-seeking audience that's going to be out there by moving a a little before the Oscars and hoping to get a ratings bump that way. Uh, I don't know. I'm not... I'm, I'm, I like this move. I'm not particularly upset about it. Are you? I want the indie spirits to keep doing what they've been doing, though, because I do think that's a, a fun, unique award show. Agreed. I want I want them to continue awarding indie film, you know, because mm-hmm. I think that needs to be done. And the Gotham's kind of kick off award season doing it. A lot of critics associations hype up those movies that in, in typical years are dark horses for Oscars, right? So, yes, I, I, I kind of hope this works i definitely hope this works for them but i i hope that it doesn't turn them more into a major studio you know giant marketing you don't uh, want them to become the hfpa i don't want the indie spirits i don't want film independent to sell out i don't think they will keep indie film pure is your hashtag for this i get it if that's possible, yeah. uh, I, I would appre- appreciate that. But over overall, again, go to awardswatch.com, as Eric Anderson and company always put out this beautiful calendar every year. I mean, we're, it's starting to take shape, Mike. We got the BAFTAs on March 13th in between the Oscars and the Indie Spirits. The DGAs are March 12th, so we'll have a big Oscar race checkpoint episode uh, right then, my God. The SAGs are at the end of February, the 27th. The uh, Oscar noms are at the beginning of February, the 8th. And then you got Critics' Choice slotted in G- January 9th. And the Oscar shortlist, December 21st with the Gothams, November 29th. So there's a lot of real estate still for things to move around and for all the other shows to fill in. We're waiting on the PGAs and the WGAs that I hope don't. And I, I, I tell you, I would, I would even prefer the dgas move back like a week maybe i don't know Hmm. but uh you know spread out a little bit 
Uh, I just know, looking at those dates and how the Gothams are at the end of November, shortlist the end of December, and knowing the the release schedule that we have coming upon all of us during those fall and winter months, what a what a crazy race that's going to be at the end there. Totally, and this year's posing to be a weird year too. Again, all mm. our all our friends are all our Oscar pundits are writing great stuff about. Nope, it's going to be a weird year again. By the way, yeah, it <laughs> is. Speaking of that. Uh, that transitional phrase nope mike we got jordan <laughs> peel with that poster that we were talking about earlier this is july 22nd 2022 let's all set our time machines forward yeah. to that date this is starring kiki palmer of hustlers daniel kaluuya of get out and steven yun of minari minari excuse me jordan peels nope what'd you think of this uh i i don't know <laughs> I thought I thought I thought Colby Mack and Jay Washington had like the greatest takes on the poster ever. And I think you should uh, absolutely go follow each of those wonderful people, dear listener on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as my take for what this poster has in store, I mean, it's a kite attached to a cloud, right? Right. So I, I don't I have no idea. I never have any idea. So what is that cloud? Is it a flying saucer in the cloud? And then why is the kite? attached to it is mm-hmm. it killer clowns that some people were talking about in this hitc.com oh, article is it uh sully of monsters incorporated who can be seen <laughs> his visage in the clown again in the same article uh there's some kind of bummer shit in the clouds too that people are seeing and i i i believe them uh i'm wondering if that's what the movie is out uh, about because mike the top and bottom of this poster, what's written there, the tagline and the marketing of it all is is that this is a pure horror movie. I mean, it's it's it says it looks so weird that I almost I, if Jordan Peele's official account didn't tweet it, I would have thought it was fan made. Right. I mean, not that it's bad. I'm not trying to say it's authenticity. It doesn't look. It just looks so bizarre that I would have thought that. And the and the title Nope is so. I mean, it fits in with Us and Get Out. I get, but I just. All, the combination of how this came off, I would have thought was like from a, a, a fan site or something. Wouldn't you think that at, at least it's a horror comedy? But no, it reads yeah. a new terror from the mind of Academy Award winner Jordan Peele. So they're saying prestigious horror movie right on top there. And he's getting further and further away. I forget when Us debuted, but, you know, Get Out was February. What was uh, I feel like Us was early summer, right? Now we're in late summer, late July with... Uh, Nope. He's getting closer. Universal's pushing him more towards the Oscars window, which is where he belongs. But I keep I keep coming back to it. Like we have is this Paul or is this get out? Or is this <laughs> I want it to be the killer clowns thing, by the way. I did I had not thought of that. And you bring that up. Is it a now... meta joke that they're calling it a new terror from the mind of Academy Award winner Jordan Peele? Or you is think it... it's gonna be it's gonna be just the Eric Andre uh, clip movie that we had from Netflix a little bit ago? <laughs> Oh, no, at the bottom they're saying it's shot in IMAX cameras, so we're getting a spectacle that's only going to be in theaters. Uh, I don't know. I, I I looked up when you told me cloud strings was like a scientific thing. Mm-hmm. We were texting about it. I looked it up because I, I can Google, and <laughs> apparently Einstein Gauss Bonnet thermodynamics or whatever. It's about black holes. Is this about mm. black holes, cloud strings, and that's a black hole up behind the cloud? Maybe killer clowns come out of a black hole. Maybe because if I clowns. saw that, I'd be like, "Nope." <laughs> <laughs> that would be my reaction. I would agree with that reaction, <laughs> but I wouldn't agree 
with marketing as a new terror from Academy Award winning Jordan Peele. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait. I mean, it's already appointment, you know, it's appointment viewing for, for us, certainly, and for everyone. And just to correct myself, Us came out in March. So we're getting, you know, February get out, March Us. Now we're in the summer. Get Jordan Peele to the Oscars window. His stuff belongs there anyway. Let's do it. All right. Let's uh, continue on the horror thread for a minute. David Gordon Green, of course, uh, directed Halloween, the the remake that we uh, also loved. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a sequel slash remake slash sequake slash reboot slash sequoot slash I am Groot of The Exorcist. Good job by you. Great, great, great joke there. Um, okay. Yeah, he's been tabbed to take the next Exorcist movie. And if you listen to John Squires, who's the editor-in-chief of BloodyDisgusting.com, and I think he might be the hardest-working man in all of horror, by the way, because Mm. he's just putting out every kind of update and news source and everything over and over again, ad nauseum, every day. He's unbelievable. Uh, At Freddie in Space is his handle. Go follow him as well. But anyway, John Squires, he says in his article that this is going to be a true sequel to The Exorcist, the first Exorcist movie, and it's going to be done by David Gordon Green, and that's what he gleaned from this interview that Green gave to Total Magazine. But here's the quote Squires puts in the Bloody Disgusting article and that he says definitively says this is going to be a sequel. You tell me, Mike and dear listener and whoever, I read this quote and I don't get the same idea. But here's the quote anyway from David Gordon Green himself. Quote, The Exorcist has been written. That was one of my pandemic projects. It's not inaccurate that it will be a sequel to the original film. I like all the Exorcist movies. And not only do I like them, I think they can all fall into the acceptable mythology for what I'm doing. It's not like I'm saying, pretend that The Exorcist 2 never happened. That's fine to exist. They're all fine to exist, and I enjoy all of them. Mm -hmm. That, to me, doesn't say I'm definitely doing a sequel to Exorcist 1. Here's what that says to me, Michael. Can you kill the devil? (laughs) Seriously. Can you kill the devil? No. If you can't kill the devil then you could keep making exorcist movies till the cows come home. Mm. He could keep using his minions to possess He's setting himself just, up for another they franchise. They all fit in a CU. Yeah. So you think this is David Gordon Green thinking, say, speaking with his business brain. Yeah. You could, yeah. He could, you could connect all, all these movies you want. Yeah, I like you that. You can't kill the devil. He's. Do you trust anyone more to make a, a proper exorcist sequel right now than David Gordon Green? Uh, I mean, he's who would I pick for any of these legacy horror franchises. The, remaking The Exorcist is hard to do. That's I don't really... think it's going to be a remake, though, right? I mean, you could have said the same about Halloween, but he made clear that he's not trying to remake Halloween. Yeah, but it's still a re- it's still kind of a remake. It's the same plot, it's just with a new generation. It's mm-hmm. like a requake. That's why I did my whole shtick. All right, that's right. I forgot about that for a second. You answered my question. <laughs> this <laughs> keeps happening. That's my fault. That's my fault, not your fault. It's not just Halloween. I mean, they're doing this with like every Creed is the same thing. Mm. Mm. I want the Halloween trilogy is my take. <laughs> that's uh, that's where I land on this. You want to see Halloween kills ASAP. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and one then more... immediately after, yeah. Yeah, one play. more story yeah. here that uh, I'm excited about. Coda director uh, Sheen Heater, excuse me, I don't think I pronounced it, her name right. It's very Irish and beautiful. Uh, but she is going to direct a biopic on dip- disability activist Judith Human. Mike Human is, of course, one of the subjects of Crip Camp, a disability revolution. Scott Feinberg did a phenomenal podcast with her 
uh, t- telling her life story yet again there on Awards Chatter. This is exciting because, you know, Heater did a wonderful job in CODA, and this is a movie that we should have had 10 years ago, but at least we're getting it now. I had a friend tell me yesterday, aren't biopics usually boring? And I almost screamed (laughs) because I think this is exactly the point of biopics to have a story that's little known like this. That's must be just fascinating and heart wrenching and just full of anything you want, whether it's drama or joy or happiness or inspiration uh, that needs to be told. It should be retold. And again, I'm not trying to say that it's like, you know, going to be a, a historical document. We know the difference between a documentary and a, fictitious biopic but still i think it's important to get out there and if it can tell a story like this one uh that we know that miss human here has been through and we've been part of we've seen her grow up on camera already in a way uh yeah i'm all for this this is awesome i've not seen coda you have you trust this is in good hands with the director yes and i do think her resume now speaks to the fact that she can handle the the subject matter at least i Mm -hmm. hope so We'll we'll see. I think it's a uh, it's a it's a very important subject that she's got to get right. So I'm certainly rooting for. Her. And we yeah. look. I mean, we know the story is there. I mean, uh, that that that's one of our favorite documentaries in a while. Crypto. Absolutely, so we're in. I mean, talk about inspiring. Good God. Mm. All right. Well, you know, we we ended happy, right? We did end happy. We we, we had started. A little, yep. We started not so great. Might, one might say old in the tooth. <laughs> And then, what a bad movie that was. It's just not good. And I I still will defend Shyamalan. I like Shyamalan stuff. Yes, me too. God. Me too. How do you, just get a hit, man. If you're a director, get one hit. Just don't have the wah, wah, wah twists. Don't do that. (laughs) If, If it's not a twist that delights you to the core, it's not a twist that works. It, you, I also don't like if you think about it at all with seriousness for ten seconds, you can find multiple problems with it. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, but the the but the, the the fact is they didn't work hard enough to explain it. They gave you these surface level explanations. Sure, right, right. Agree, agree, totally agree. They do no explaining as to what is actually going on with like medically, even though everyone's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so i i all right <laughs> we we promise we will not keep talking about old on this This will not turn into the old podcast that's but. right no but swell was correct old is something to worry about it was it was one of our her three movies to worry about right oh good call good yeah. call back by you Shout yeah, out. absolutely so there you go amanda yeah. as always is the only one who knows what they're talking about when it comes to the three of She's us. She's one for two, so the rubber match. Oh, the rubber match is now all about mm. Clifford the Big Red Dog because she she was worried about Cruella and Cruella was Good f- point. fantastic, and she was worried about old and and the third movie now. We Big can Red Dog undermine her entire career if Clifford is Oscar worthy. <laughs> so that's right. I'll make sure to to point out that she needs to listen to this part of this podcast in preparation. Uh, guys, as always, we want to know, did you see Old? Have you seen Val? Uh, have you seen any of these movies we talked about? Did you see Coda already yourselves? Let us know all that as well. You can fill us in on any other comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we covered in this episode or 
in the MMO empire that we've done thus far. You can leave us all those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on the Apple podcast app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five star review, that would truly help us out. Uh, I tried to adjust my volume on my mic for this episode. For those of you who haven't left us a five star review. So <laughs> I, I hope this was more passable, but we're, we're going to get the sound issues figured out. Michael, what's coming next, and what are some words of wisdom to end on? I think we're going to do one more Oscar race checkpoint. In a How many in a row is this? This is a lot in a row. Yeah, we're Black kind of Widow. setting a record for an off-season here. There's just a lot of news coming down the pike, and we haven't really wanted to spend a full film study length of time on any one film. So that's just and those where are at. coming. Don't but worry. With they the, are uh, coming. Yeah, the we're excited there, yeah. at the Green Knight, so unless we're really bummed at the Green Knight uh, next week, I think uh, I think we'll we'll attack that one. Uh, before that, though, I think we're hoping for a House of Gucci trailer. Perhaps we're hoping for you know some more announcements from Venice and New York in terms of their film festivals. And we got Comic Con at home this weekend. I'm gonna watch a little bit of it tomorrow, I believe. And we got Olympics going on, by the way. So that's that's yeah. wise to check out. It's wise to support the Japanese economy after they can't have. You know, guests over there, please. So do that and uh, support your movie-going and movie-exhibiting economy while we still can, please. Uh, Val is a great uh, film to go check out in theaters if you can. And, and Playing with Sharks on Disney+, Plus, etc., etc. All the movies that we've been reviewing from the film festivals up through now. And I'll, tr- I'll try to keep those coming. You know, these movies that I see a while ago, I, I got to adjust to the new way of uh, being a critic ish and you know again you know we're we're oscar pundits who love razzie's movies so take critics (laughs) with a grain of salt and air quotes but i do uh i i i do have to get used to the fact that now i gotta go back and i have to read because andrew was texting me he's like what's good on vod right now what do i watch now tell me now and i had to go into my thing My brothers do this to me, too. But I had to go on my thing. I was like, wait, what's... And then I had to cross-check on Just mm. Watch, what's available. So I got to do more of that for people, I think, after you know watching 30 movies at a clip for mm. these festivals. So, there you go. Well, I think yeah. I... Yeah, I, I know I do that to you, too. Like, I do a bad job. Well, I do a bad job. I just yell at you. Mm-hmm. And we sure. just we have a very <laughs> no. I think uh, I think uh, I think we gotta yeah we gotta give people the reviews in a timely fashion. We will work to do that Wiser. as much as it's we wise can. Wise to do that, yes. There you go, uh, guys. When reality sucks, you can come check out these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.